0: Welcome to the Appalachian Music Scene Podcast. This is your host, Sammy Clifford. Today I've got a really cool guest. Uh, I've got Gwen Smith with us. Um, very cool person. She's a trans musician. Great fucking musician. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get this started. And uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Hi, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Can't really complain.
0: That's awesome. Um, really thankful to have you here. Thanks for coming in. Oh, Thank you for having me. Oh, it's no problem. Really happy to get some local artists in here and just start chatting and vibing about our music scene.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, uh, how long have you been playing music?
1: Um, I started playing when I was 12, about 8 years ago, but I started really catching on when I was about 14 years old.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. I started at around uh, 14 what were your early influences?
1: Um, honestly, I would have to say probably my most major influences that really got me started and that I still am heavily influenced by to this day are like uh, The Offspring. They first really got me into music, especially alternative music.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then um, shortly after them was Nirvana and The Sex Pistols. And Nirvana especially has stayed a major influence throughout my life.
0: Same here. I'm a huge Nirvana fan. Oh,
1: Absolutely. I I adore them. Kurt is absolutely one of my all-time idols.
0: Dude, same. Absolutely. That's me, too. I'm obsessed. I have been since I was, like, 14. Oh, yeah.
1: I I think what really captured me on them was, like, in from, like, when I was first getting started with music... I was really a big fan of, like, the feedback and noise that you'd hear in some music, and when I first heard um, Endless Nameless by Nirvana off of their Nevermind album... That's what really drew me in. It really got me obsessed not only with them, but just with the concept of noise and music in general.
0: Yeah, that's that's a crazy song too. It's really interesting because uh, I think Butch Vig didn't he record that? He yeah. was he was talking about how that was just Kurt came in pissed off, yeah, and just he smashed a guitar and was just fucking yeah. being crazy.
1: What what I've always heard about it, I'm not sure if this is a story or not, but um, what I've always heard was like uh, they were, I think it was Lithium that they were trying to record. And for whatever reason, they just kept getting it too fast. And after, like, a ton of different takes, Kirk got pissed off in the middle of the song, just started smash his guitar, and supposedly Chris and Dave just jumped in on it.
0: <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, how many bands do you see now that actually do that?
1: Yeah, it's like they get pissed about something, instead of, like, trying to figure out the issue, they're just like, fuck it, let's destroy everything.
0: <laughs> see, I've always wanted to do that. Like, at a show, just smash the instruments at the end. Oh, yeah. But the... The cheapskate in me is also
1: like, I can't break this. Well, that's why before you have a big show, especially at an outside venue, you always get one real cheap guitar, like find a $50 guitar from a pawn shop, just get it set up real good, and then just bash it. That's the way to do
0: it. <laughs> so, um, what kind of stuff do you have going on right now musically?
1: Um, I'm kind of in a transitional period. Um, I am getting ready to start work on a new dream-pop, shoegaze-type solo project. Uh, there were a few years ago I actually released a record for a solo project that I called Frumentari, but that didn't really go anywhere. So mm-hmm. I'm planning to take a more professional route. I'm planning on calling it uh, The Courier at Hoover Dam mm-hmm. as a reference to Fallout New Vegas, because that game's been a big influence on my life as well. I'm just planning on doing some weird stuff with it. I'm wanting to do something kind of like uh, somewhere between cocteau twins and um my bloody valentine with maybe a little bit of a hint of uh, you know like belly in there that's awesome i love my bloody valentine oh yeah i adore them they they're where i started getting into the idea of like a, what i like to call tonal sculptures like rather than like a proper song per se mm-hmm. you just more or less just build an audible sculpture out of the sounds you're producing just a wall of noise see i think that's interesting
0: um One of my favorite bands is really into a lot of shoegaze and stuff, Circus Survive. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, those dudes, Colin and Brendan, just fucking bust out these just enormous, just echoing just cascades of sound. Yeah. It's awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. I've never never gotten hugely into them, but what I have heard, fabulous. Very
0: unique. They're incredible. One of the best live bands I've ever seen. I've seen them like eight times in the last like three years.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But, uh, that's awesome. I'm glad you have some cool projects going on. So, alright. Crazy question time. Alright. Um, in your career, who, like, what sort of local bands as you were
1: coming up really helped push the envelope and inspire you? Um, I definitely think Left to the Wolves definitely helped me cast aside the past notions of, like, well, the only music that's ever gonna get any kind of attention around here is, like, country and bluegrass. Left to the Wolves really showed me that alternative music does have a place and a future in this area. Absolutely. I've played a few shows with those guys. They're sweethearts. Oh, yeah. They're so cool. And then um, right along with them, probably the next closest local artist to really influence me. And not so much musically, but just because he's helped me so much along the way. And he's such a great guy. uh, My homie Zach Hensley. Um, He actually got me playing my first show. I was 16 years old. I had one guitar a pitch shifter pedal, and a little line six amp. And even despite that, he was like, I absolutely want you to play a show. And my first show I ever played, I actually opened for Left to the Wolves, I do believe. He's the guy at White Rabbit Records, right? Yeah, he runs White Rabbit Records. They're on Main Street in Corbin. He's just, he's the sweetest dude. Like, he'll help you out however he can if you need help with something. He's just the best kind of person.
0: I've met him just a couple times recently when we practiced there. And yeah. He's the nicest fucking dude I've ever met.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I love him so much. I love him like a
0: brother. That's awesome. It, like, are those your main kind of influences from around this
1: area? Uh, i definitely say so. Pro- well, there is one other that I've forgotten about. Um, I don't know if anyone will remember them. I don't even know if they're together anymore, but uh, ReVendication. I remember I actually opened a show that they played back in 2016, and um, between sets I was actually talking to, I believe it was their lead vocalist, and uh, I don't remember what it brought it up, but I mentioned I was 16 and he was like, that's really cool. And then when it came time for their set, I think they were the last band of the night, he actually called me out from the from uh, where they were playing at in the area. It was just like, this kid right here, er, um, they're 16 years old, that's fucking awesome. I'm so happy to still see kids coming out to shows like this. I really hope hope people keep it up, things like that. And that just, that made me feel so good about myself. That really pushed me to want to keep with it.
0: Hell yeah. Actually, uh, Revindication, I think they used to be in a band called Devastation Device.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that.
0: So... Back when I was growing up, I used to play around with this band called King Tank Revolution. Mm-hmm. I was real good friends with those guys, and uh, their guitar player and vocalist inspired me growing up. Oh. We lived like in the same area, and they played with um, Devastation Device all the time. Really, this is like MySpace era, you know? Right. Oh wow, it's crazy to think that that was that's an influence on you because like I've seen all those bands when
1: I was like fifteen. Right. Wow. wow, it well it really shows that like uh, music really just uh, goes across years. Because how old are you again? I just turned twenty eight. Yeah, so you're eight years older than me, and yet two of our biggest local influences are the same people.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I was there for the shit, though, you whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what? What's like? Um. What's your
1: gear setup currently? Um. Thing is, I'm constantly changing my setup, but right now, like, uh, my main amp is a Bugera 6260. hmm Um, my main guitar that I've been using the most here lately is, uh, a Turser Mustang copy that I've relicked to hell and just beat up like crazy. And then, uh, I've got quite a few other guitars I really need to get around to wiring up and such, but lazy. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> My main guitar there for a long time, and it's going to be, once I get it uh, strung and wired back up, is uh, an SG of mine that a friend actually painted in a rainbow finish. Oh, wow. Yeah, he hand-painted it, and I'm thinking I may redo the finish in the future, but it was an absolute killer guitar, and the only reason that it's not wired up right now is because I wanted to change the pickups out, and then I was too lazy to change them out. Yeah, I've been
0: there. I've got a seven-string project guitar just laying over there. Right. (laughs) Um, That's rad. Like, I always think it's cool to see musicians kind of paint up their own guitar. Oh, yeah. Have something a little unique. Um, Okay, this is a crazy one. So tell me your strangest show story. What's the weirdest thing to happen to you playing a show?
1: Hmm. Maybe not the weirdest thing that happened to me, but probably one of the weirdest things I've seen happen to the show. Well, not necessarily weird, but definitely stood out. Um, it was probably two years ago now. I was at a show down there at the Tech Center in Corbin when they were still able to put shows on there. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember who was playing, but there was some dude there who... Um, he was drinking, and first off, he probably really shouldn't have been drinking because he, he has a reputation for getting aggressive when he drinks. But basically, he was up in the pit, and he was just doing the whole traditional pitting thing, and then a bunch of other people were doing the whole crowd killing and like, uh, pit karate thing and such, which I got no problem with, and it fit the bands that were there. Yeah. Well, the dude got hit by someone crowd killing, and he just turned and started attacking this kid and beating the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. And then that kid started fighting back, and he got like five or ten people on top of him. Finally, everyone ran him out into the main room of the tech center and, like, a bunch of people were yelling at him and he was yelling back and, like, people were saying, call the cops, call the cops! And other people were like, no cops, no cops! (laughs) Someone just comes out like, no fucking cops, you get the fuck out of here. And, like,
0: it was just wild. Yeah, cops are the first fucking people to shut a show down.
1: Yeah, and, like, I I get the feeling that, like, the people who were, like, no cops had a feeling that, like... It would have stopped the shows at the tech center, period, a lot earlier if they had called the cops. In. Yeah. Uh, from my understanding, apparently the cops did get called, but they didn't show until after the guy was gone. And someone was just like, the, the issue's handled. Don't worry about it. Sorry about that.
0: Wow. Well, dude, I, I've had so many shows shut down by cops. Right. We, we did some touring in Ohio, and um, a big house show got shut down. It sucked. Oh, man that's crazy though I've
1: always wanted to play at the Corbin Civic Center like I've heard it's cool oh yeah it's a really cool setup and like it's just there's definitely something very intimate about it like they turn the lights down lower just cut them off all all together whenever the bands get to playing and like there were days when there would only be like 10 people besides the bands to see them and then there the first time I went there back in 2016 that was at Left to the Wolf show I wouldn't be surprised if there were 200 people in that room and like I didn't get to stay for Left to the Wolf set because I wasn't driving then. I had to have my mother pick me up, and she can't really drive much at night because she has trouble with her vision. Yeah. And um, But whenever I went back in there to let some buddies know that I was having to take off early, there was just a massive circle pit, probably 30 people or more going on. It's like, wow. <laughs> Man, the,
0: so it feels to me like... The DIY, like, little shows are the most intimate. They're, like, they're easily my favorite shows to play. Oh,
1: absolutely. I absolutely love the little small shows because, like, first off, you know most people there, so it's like you can relate to everyone, you can talk about stuff, but then you also meet all sorts of unique people that you didn't know before. Like, I Absolutely. Met, yeah, I've met so many cool people at the DIY shows. It's just the sense of community that you get. Like, everyone's like compliments and everyone everyone's wanting to get to know each other you get all sorts of people like i've seen bands start from that well heck that first show i went to i actually first started talking to a buddy of mine josh bloomingberg and um he's been a buddy of mine ever since and we've been talking about doing a project this year and just a few months ago we got started working on our own black metal project some black metal you say yeah
0: oh that's awesome (laughs) i think appalachia doesn't have enough black metal
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: We have just so many metalcore bands.
1: Yeah, which, not to diss on it, because I love core, I love actual metal and such, and I love more traditional stuff, but black metal is just something that I I feel like there's a very untapped market here for it. I feel like there's a lot of potential for black metal in Kentucky.
0: Well, you know, there's a lot of older people that are really into bands like Behemoth. Yeah. So, like, I think it's a very untapped market, like you said. I think we need more of it.
1: Yeah, just need to have a couple good bands that know each other, like all launching around the same time, and like all being able to give something that's like, it's black metal. It's what people love about black metal, but it needs something a little different about it, something unique to really make it stand out. As um, as my buddy described it, it that I'm in that project with um, Podunk Black Metal. Hmm. Hey. Huh? You know, I
0: think um, see Kentucky's music scene's always been this. Especially for metal bands. I feel like starting out back in the day, it was kind of hard to get a good solid metal show.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Especially for a black metal band right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, you'll see a lot of bars and country, uh, southern rock, all that stuff. You know, I don't see a
1: lot of hardcore shows down here. No, like, it seems like they're back in like 2017, 2018. Like every other show would be hardcore, and since then I haven't really seen many, which is weird because um, it seems like hardcore has actually gotten popular in recent years. Absolutely. Yeah, like um, well, especially like bands like Knock Loose, who have been getting real big. Egg, like I'm surprised there's not a bigger hardcore scene.
0: Yo, Knock Loose is fucking phenomenal. Like they're easily one of my top fucking ten bands. Yeah. Um, Fucking mistakes like fractures. Have you heard that? Uh, yeah. It's insane.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So, um, if you had to pick one band mm-hmm. that you couldn't live without, like you had to listen to them for the like you you couldn't go without listening to that band at least once
1: a day, what band would you say? It's oh, so hard to really choose. Um, I guess if I really had to choose. I'd probably say My Bloody Valentine. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't listen to them every single day, but, like, if I couldn't listen to them at all for the rest of my life, like, oh, that would be awful, honestly. Absolutely. I I like that band a lot. Like, I'm
0: probably not as invested as you are in them, per se. Right. Um, But I am a big
1: fan. Oh, yeah. They are are a fantastic band. I really think they're unique uh they've just been such a huge influence me I, I just can't imagine if I never had found them
0: yeah I mean they're pioneers of the dream pop genre
1: oh absolutely
0: I guess for me I would probably go with oh man uh, you know I would pick Nirvana or Circa Survive those are two like my favorite bands but honestly Alice in Chains
1: you know what? I can understand that Alice and Chains are absolutely fantastic.
0: I just love the the darkness in some of their music.
1: Oh yeah. Now I got a question for you. Sure. You mentioned Alice of Chains. Um, not necessarily in the vocal direction, because I think everyone is going to pick like Lane over their new vocalist, because that's just a given. Yeah. But as far as the actual musical direction, who did you prefer Alice and Chains with? Uh, lane or their new vocalist because i have definitely noticed a stylistic change they've gone for more of the aggro metal style whereas back then it was like very doom and gloom very slow yet yeah melodic. well i'll be honest i think as
0: bands mature yeah they're more likely to kind of go into a sort of radio rock position
1: oh absolutely
0: and so there's some songs off their newer records like uh Well, this one isn't new specifically, but you know the Allison Chains did like uh, "Black Gives Way to Blue." Yeah. So they did a song called "A Looking in View." Have you heard it? Yes. It's fucking incredible. Oh yes. It's dark. Um, For me, I I didn't think that he should sound like Lane Staley. Right. Because he's a new singer, and you can't replace Lane Staley. But you can, you know, get you a new singer and start fresh and that's what they kind of did and they honored lane's memory i feel
1: oh absolutely i think they did very well honoring his memory and just honoring him as a person i think that their replacement they found for him is a really suiting replacement like he doesn't sound exactly like him and that's good because that way they can take their old influences and make something totally new with this new influence
0: exactly You know, and uh, they had songs like Check Your Brain and all that stuff. And they were just killer songs. Oh, yeah. You know, they kind of reminded me of, like, some of the newer Mastodon almost.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Very, very, a little bit sludgy, but still accessible.
0: Yeah, yeah it's great like oh yeah. mastodon's a big band for me too i love those guys oh yeah
1: i haven't re- listened to their more recent records like i haven't listened to their newer stuff much since they, that's come out since 2015 yeah but before then like all those albums especially um especially like uh one more time around the sun and and things like that like fantastic and they've been pretty influential on me as well
0: that's awesome so you're into
1: some like Doom and stuff, like stoner metal? Oh, absolutely. I'm into just about everything, actually. In fact, um, one of, besides Cliff Burton and Jocko Pastorius, one of my big influences that actually made me start playing bass was um, Alice's Narrows from uh, Sleep. Really? Yeah. I I was probably about 13 or 14 when I stumbled upon uh, the song "Dragonaut" by Sleep just by total accident on YouTube. And when I heard that, I was just like, this this is crazy i want to start playing bass yeah so i just started saving up and then one weekend me and my mom and a friend of hers went to the flea market i happened by the local music booth there i was just looking through there and i saw just a cheap little bass guitar it said 159.99 on it i had like literally 170 dollars in my pocket i went over to the owner i was like is this price correct he was like yeah so i just gave him the money walked out with it and that started me on me on a whole new journey with music. Really? See, that's awesome. How many instruments do you play? Let me think. Um, guitar and bass, of course. I dabble with mandolin. I play a little bit on ukulele. Uh, I can pick a banjo a little bit. I can mess around on a keyboard, but I'm not really a keyboardist or anything like that. Um, I'm sure there's probably something I'm not thinking of, but... Basically, if it has strings on it, I'll try to find a way to play it. I've even, I even played a cello for a few months when I was in middle school. Oh, that's awesome! I love cello. Oh yeah, I I miss playing it because like, I was doing good on it. I was, I was actually getting to where I could improvise with it, but then like, I was in a little private Christian school from about thirteen years old to when I uh, graduated. And unfortunately, um, the music teacher was not doing super well, and, like, uh, we didn't have, like, as far as actually teaching, like, a lot of the students weren't doing well learning. Yeah. I was the only one who was advancing much besides, like, two kids. So the guy who runs the school just decided to cut the music program.
0: Oh, that sucks.
1: Yeah, and because the cello was being rented through the program, I didn't even have something I could keep playing on. So since then, I've been wishing I had one. I can't
0: doubt that, because, like, I've heard a lot of, like, smaller schools in
1: Kentucky have cut out a lot of music programs and stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. Like, well, a lot of schools in general, but especially in a place like Kentucky, because somewhere like Kentucky, especially in schools, they don't care about the arts. They don't care about music. What they care about is keeping those numbers up academically and of course sports all the money goes into sports
0: absolutely i know how that is my school was really i went to rockcastle county oh yeah and we got to keep our music programs
1: luckily but they were so focused on football players all the time yeah i as far as i know corbin which is where i went to school until i got moved to that private school um I think they always kept their band and their music programs. Mm-hmm. But the unfortunate thing is, like, at least a teacher I had whenever I was going there, like, I'm gonna be frank, she was kind of a bitch. I never <laughs> really learned anything from her. Like, she didn't. She basically just threw an instrument in our hands, gave us some sheet music, and expected us to know what to do. I was never told how to read sheet music. I didn't even learn it until I learned it on my own when I was 16. See,
0: that's one of the reasons, like, I've heard a lot of stories like that, and. When I was younger, I was like, if I'm not a, like a big musician one day, I want to be a music teacher. That way, people can I can teach people in a way they can grasp it and use music to
1: like shape and mold their feelings into audio. Absolutely, I feel like that would help a lot in a lot of different ways. Like, um, I definitely think we'd see less um, less students and young kids as experiencing like depression, like or at least it would definitely help them if we had well-funded music programs that have teachers and band directors that actually care about the students and actually teach them.
0: Yeah. See, I completely agree, 110%. Um, so, like, you know, you're talking about growing up kind of around Corbin and stuff. What was growing up in Appalachia like for you?
1: It's definitely... I feel it's very odd because... I was always in a weird position growing up. Like, I didn't experience, like, the... I hate to use this term, but I guess you call it the cliché Appalachian poverty that a lot of people have had to deal with. Like, I didn't grow up in a hall or something broken barefoot. But at the same time, I also wasn't part of a big, rich family. We were just pretty standard. And so many weird kinds of people, like... You'll be walking down the street, and on one side you'll look, and you'll just see some Joe Blow, typical Republican, just walking along with a scowl on his face, probably thinking really aggressively racist shit. Oh, dude, yeah. But then on the other side, I would look down. I'd see an absolutely beautiful queer person with green hair just enjoying their day. And it's it's so weird seeing that, because Appalachia truly is a m- melting pot of different sorts of people. I You know, you know weird. sorry, go ahead. it's all good i just i've always thought that was weird because of course people portray or picture an area like appalachia as just being like backwards redneckville and to an extent that is the case but at the same time there's so many awesome people and there's so many cool things to see in appalachia
0: yeah a hundred percent like okay so you were talking about nirvana earlier Chris Novoselic, whenever they had this big interview for MTV one time, mm-hmm. he's like, this one goes out to all the goth kids and metal kids in Tennessee and Kentucky. Like, they were talking uh-huh. about that. Because they they kind of saw that coming through here in the 90s, you know, like a lot of our parents were younger around that time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, coming through here in the 90s, they noticed there was a lot of like, punk kids and stuff, but but they all just kind of hated the society they lived in. Yeah. Because it's the exact opposite of what they want to be. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was interesting. I think that sort of spiritualism goes a lot into our scene today. Of course, you get some shitty people who do bad things, but, yeah. I mean...
1: That's inevitable. You're going to see that anywhere.
0: It's true. I, I've, seen, I've met so many just great people through music.
1: Oh, absolutely. The, some pretty much all my best friends i would have never met if it weren't for like just the music scene around here
0: yeah it's not a very vast music scene in the southern parts of kentucky like this oh yeah like Like, you'll see lex and louisville popping off sometimes yeah but down here in london corbin all that stuff there's not really a large scene it's a very tight-knit community yeah
1: it's it's very small but at the same time it's like a family
0: Yeah, literally. Like, everyone loves each other for the most part. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's beautiful.
1: Absolutely. And that's what really inspires me. And, like, I'm not sure if I really foresee myself ever popping off, like, getting world famous with my music or anything. But I would hope that if I somehow did, that I wouldn't forget this kind of area after that. Like, I would hope that I would still come back to this area, still love this area, still shout out all the people that I know from this area and that I knew from this area. Because, like,. I may not like everything about it, but it is home and it's been a huge influence on me. I seem to have known you for, what, like a year now? Yeah, about a year. So,
0: I'll say from my experience knowing you, I don't think you'd be that kind of person. Yeah. I think you'd really stick with your roots and stuff. Um,
1: I definitely like to think so.
0: Yeah, I could see you doing that, because you're really, you're really a down-to-earth person and you seem to care about a lot of your friends quite a lot.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: So, what does music mean to you as a whole? Like, what's music's perfect or purpose in
1: your life? Music is as much expression as it is survival. It
0: okay.
1: when, the t- when times are really hard and you feel like you just can't handle anything in the world, it that's what helps you keep moving. It's what helps me keep moving on when things are difficult. And yet, at the same time, like... No matter what I'm feeling, if I'm feeling happy, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm just feeling queer as a $3 bill. Like, that's, music is what really helps me express myself, and it's what just really helps me get everything out. See, that's
0: awesome. I feel the same way. Music to me is this cathartic therapy,
1: just oh, yes. it's how I take what's inside and put it out. Absolutely. C- cathartic, that's the perfect word for it. It is Music is the perfect example of catharsis. Therapy through action and art.
0: Absolutely. It's a beautiful
1: thing. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, I don't know if I'd still be around if it weren't for music. Like, Same. Music has been one of the biggest pushes just to keep going because, like, shit's hard. Like, especially this last year, I've been suffering from worse depression than ever. But just the idea of keeping on, having projects with people, making cool tunes... That's what's really made it easier to keep going. Yeah. Uh, see, I,
0: I kind of see a huge correlation. Like, this is going to sound fucked up. When I say this, I don't mean it in the way it's going to sound. Musicians are fucked up people. I feel like most musicians I've met have this the severe trauma, right? Yeah. And it seems like they just they have this beautiful thing going for them where they've got this talent and they can take that trauma and shape it and mold it into these songs and they become relatable, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, that's why I think music is as much survival as as it is expression because so many people get into music and develop their own musical abilities as honestly a coping mechanism to deal with their traumas, their depression, all that.
0: Absolutely. It's really helped me a lot as well. You know, as someone who also struggles with, like, bipolar, depression, stuff like that. Right. Um, if I pick up my guitar when I'm feeling down, I'll just pump out music.
1: Absolutely. It it just helps everything kind of melt away.
0: It does. Yeah. It, it's It's the best. Yeah. I don't think I would be here either without it.
1: Oh, yeah. And, like... Honestly, like honestly, I probably should get back on an antidepressant. I haven't been for a couple of years, but honestly, at the same time, I feel like sometimes music does the job better than any kind of um, pill.
0: I agree. As someone who used to be addicted to a lot of like harder drugs when I was younger, yeah, um, music like performance gets me higher than any drug ever could. Like right. I get all this adrenaline. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm yeah. punching cymbals. I'm dancing around. It makes me feel just at peace.
1: Absolutely. Definitely. I, I can definitely relate to that. Like every single time that I played with a band, which has only been a handful of times, and every single time I played solo, which has probably been about a half dozen to a dozen times, like especially playing solo, like just standing there just by guitar a couple pedals and an amp and everyone looking at me just something about it makes me freeze up for a moment like i can't do this and then all of a sudden it just it just it, it just, just comes. bursts out it's like it's i don't know how to compare it's just fantastic you're right it just melts time away like you'll you'll think you've been standing there for like three hours just playing it just playing and playing and it'll turn out it's only been 30 minutes, or it'll feel like you've only been there for five minutes playing, and then it turns out it's been half an hour. That's me. Like, when
0: we performed a lot before COVID, of course, it just seemed like being on stage felt like five to seven minutes oh, instead of the, like, 30-minute periods. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so how has COVID affected music for you?
1: Um. Well it's definitely made it a lot harder to find places to play like the most i've been able to play and of course it's not proper shows just like small get-togethers with friends and all that yeah um but um i'm in another band and uh the guitarist and vocalists are up in richmond right now i'm planning on starting to go practice with them again but um we were actually supposed to play our very first show on uh Friday late in March Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact day and the next day we were going to release our first EP Mm -hmm. Um, it was supposed to be like a release show and we actually had uh, some good bands playing with us and we were actually more or less going to be opening for handguns and that's what got us excited but unfortunately it was probably just a couple days before the show was supposed to happen we were told that because of the increasing spread of COVID-19 that they'd have to cancel the show and it's like we understood but we were so disappointed. Yeah, it's the thing is like a lot of our local venues are
0: dying right now too. Oh yeah, like um <sighs> Cosmic Charlie shut yep. down. Uh didn't Spinelli's? Spinelli's fucking shut down uh, and they've been a
1: staple in the Louisville hardcore scene. I know it's going to be such a hit for the people <laughs> up there and just people playing music in Kentucky in general and I honestly hate it. Honestly, what I'd, what I'd like to do but I don't know if that's going to be a near Like, a goal that's attainable for me in the near future, but you never know. I'd like to get some money together, and once shows do open up, I would like to open up some kind of venue or get something going. Me too. That'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, I have the perfect spot for it, but it's my family's place, and I probably will end up getting it in the future, but that's going to be many, many years away, hopefully. Yeah. But I live out there on a farm... And, like, I'm not not much of a farm person. Like, I love the animals I take care of, but just if I were to end up with that as my property after my parents were to pass, I wouldn't see myself keeping it for animals. I would like to convert, like, um, either the actual barn or our garage into a small venue where people could just come in and just have fun time with shows just like any band that wants to play, do a background check on them, and let them come on. That'd be amazing.
0: Man. I would love to have just like some local DIY venues
1: around here. Oh, absolutely. We had the tech center, but I even once COVID is gone, like I don't foresee shows happening again because it's been over. It had been over a year since the show had been there, even whenever uh, the lockdown started. See, um, Manchester Music Hall even closed. Yeah, and then uh, there was the event place in London, and they closed a couple years back. Which sucked because, honestly, I like that venue even more than the Tech Center.
0: Really? Yeah. We have
1: the arena, but it costs so
0: much to rent
1: it. Yeah. It, it costs too much for local bands to rent it out, but it costs just enough for musicians that people liked back in 2005.
0: You know what's crazy about that? Chevy Chase. It's doing a fucking show in Corbin right before Christmas, and it's still on. Even with COVID, Like that old fucking dude is going to come, and you know all of his Boomer fans aren't going to wear a fucking mask. No. Uh, Oh, my God, dude. I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, Fucking Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, do you really need that much money, bro? (laughs) He must be struggling right now. Yeah.
1: Bro, I will give you ten dollars not to come.
0: Here he's like, "Fuck yeah, dude, <laughs> I'm out."
1: <laughs> could not oh.
0: imagine. Fucking Chevy Chase. I know Afro Man supposed to, like was there a
1: while back too. Yep, Afro Man. I know Smash Mouth played a show, which I honestly wish I could have seen Smash Mouth because I, I honestly love them. They just <laughs> seem they seem like fun
0: dudes. You know, the only beef I've ever had with Smash Mouth. It's when they put that COVID show with no restrictions.
1: Yeah. To be fair, I mostly blame Trapped for that. But say, on one hand, I want to be like, y'all should have known better. But on the other hand, it's like, then again, there's only like two songs they're known for. I, they they could probably use the money. But, but yeah. yeah, I agree. But it was at Sturgis mm-hmm. too, so you can't be too surprised. Come
0: on though. That Shrek money. I know. That Shrek money that they got. <laughs> That's
1: Shrek money though. Uh, That's coming in for life. Oh yeah, you know it is. Well, I wish I could get some dang Shrek money. If I could have Shrek money, all my problems would be fixed. Uh, if I could have, if I had Shrek money, I would have love. I would have life. And Shrek. Yeah, Shrek is love. Shrek is life. It's fucking right. You Absolutely. tell. <laughs>
0: Have you seen that video? <laughs> I, I was referencing it. I, I figured
1: as much. Some people just know it as a meme. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I, I, the first time I ever saw that, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go in the other room and hang myself. <laughs> but then the second time I saw it, I probably spent the next 10 minutes just chanting Shrek is love, Shrek is life.
0: I just, I saw it one time and I, it just, I got it. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I could feel Shrek's onion juice deep inside of me. <laughs> I
1: want to feel his onion juices spilling down the back of my throat. He then whispered in my ear, This it's my, my swamp. This is my
0: swamp. <laughs> Every time. Uh. So is there anything else you'd like to tell people about yourself or any musical...
1: Releases coming up. Well, um, I would like to say, uh, actually, let me check something right quick. Um, I do have my band, Bullets for Bodies, which I had mentioned before that our first show ever had gotten canceled because of COVID. So, um, I would, at, if it's cool, I'd like to plug our EP so people could check it out if they'd like.
0: Absolutely, and if you'd like, um, if you do, you have any of the audio files?
1: Um, not downloaded on my phone, but I can get a bandcamp.
0: If you uh, if you do that, I can link that in the podcast for you. That would be fantastic. and I can
1: even um, we can cut to a song at the end if you want. Absolutely. All right. So um, we're on Bandcamp. The band is called Bullets for Bodies. It should just show up if you type bulletsforbodies.bandcamp.com, and uh, it shows our three demos and it also shows our EP, which is Love, Life, and the Pursuit of Madness. It's seven dollars for a digital version. And if you get up with me, I will uh, I will be more happy to talk to the other guys and see if we can't get you a CD copy, if you like. Um, definitely check it out. I play bass on this record. It's like a, a mix between hard and fast punk rock and old school uh, classic rock. That's sick. Yeah, I'll definitely
0: link that in here for you as well. Definitely. Um, guys, definitely check out Gwen's band, Bullet for Bodies. They're on Bandcamp. You heard it here. Let's uh, support some local music. Well, uh, Gwen, I really appreciate you coming in on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Thank you guys for watching the Appalachian Music Scene Podcast. We'll catch you guys later.